0: My favorite correspondent, who sends me the best information, Jeb Card. He listens to some of these uh, radio shows, and he listens to Banal of America. Is that how you pronounce it, Tim Banal? I don't. I never listen to it. But no idea. Um. Ladies and
1: gentlemen, are you ready for Banal of America?
2: Yes! Sharon currently has. Uh, let's see. She's a. In this week's episode of The Nile of America, which I'm not familiar with
0: Oh, well, it's a a paranormal podcast. And it's a good two and a half hours long. I was on the phone for two Mm -hmm. hours and a half minutes. And we could have been on longer. It was fantastic to talk to somebody of a different perspective. Uh, There was some overlap where where you're talking to somebody of a paranormal approach, and you could really see that there's a lot of common ground there, and it's, it's really a shame that we don't have a bridge to talk more.
3: And now, ladies and gentlemen, Banal of America Audio, with your host, Tim Banal.
2: No commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, really no comparison. This is Tim Benall with another edition of BOA Audio Season 8 and the first live edition of Season 8. As I teased you at the end of the season premiere of the program last week, really only a handful of days ago, VOA Audio Season 8 is all about the tape shows and the live shows. And one of the big goals of the live shows is to bring back some of our favorite guests from the past seven seasons and talk to them, get updates about their work, talk to them about what they've been up to since we last heard from them. And that's what we're doing here tonight on the first live edition of Season 8 with our old buddy here, Sharon Hill from Deltful News. She's the editor and creator of Delphal News and Clutch your pearls now, folks. She is a skeptic. If you did not hear her on the <laughs> previous appearance on the program, and I'm I'm really psyched to have you back on the show, Sharon. I hope you can do another two hours with me. I know it's uh it's going to be a marathon, but I think we're going to have fun. Um,
0: I'm good. Let's go. Wow,
2: wow. <laughs> this is not a game show. Just relax. No, all right. <laughs> uh, so you know, we it, it, we made a big to do about it when we had you on BOA Audio Season uh, season seven back. In the springtime, because you were the first skeptic we ever had on the show and and you know it was kind of breaking some new ground, and I know you hadn't really done many forays into the world of paranormal radio, so right. you know what was the aftermath of your journey across the bridge if you will
0: um well i you heard that i I really enjoyed it I thought it was great yeah. and it
2: was it was all good,
0: and I really thought that we both made some good points, and we it was clear that we had some common ground. And I think a lot of feedback from, from, from my end was good. There were a few people that just, just don't like to hear the skeptical point of view at all. They don't like to hear it in anything, and they'll have those. But for the most part, I thought it was, it was such a measured conversation that there was nothing for people to get upset about or get angry about. So uh, for the most part, The Skeptical Community, a couple people tuned into the show for the first time. I know they told me, and and, uh, they found some other topics they were interested in. So I think that was good. Yeah, always good. Yeah. Uh, On on the other hand, uh, and and there's also people in the Skeptical Community that are very supportive. They say, you know, it's great that you go to these other shows because you're reaching out to a brand-new audience really just has no idea that we're not a bunch of grumpy old men sitting, you know, sitting around – yelling at the television or yelling at people to get off our lawn. Mm. We people and we like these topics just as much as the believers do. We just take a different angle, a different approach. But uh, for the most part, um, it's it's been a good year. I mean, I, I think that I, I, I've gotten a lot of new friends, social media friends from the paranormal, and I've exchanged some more conversations with them. So definitely a, a good start.
2: Nice, nice. I should have really started off with just a general, how have you been, what have you been up to? So you know, let's do that. <laughs> what have you? to <laughs> just dive right in. Well, you you pressured me with that. Let's go. So I was like, oh, whoa, okay. let's get right to the notes. No, it's all right. I'm just teasing you. Uh, so so what have you been up to? You know, beyond the uh, beyond the fourth wall smashing that we already engaged in. What what have you been up to since we last heard from you? uh, you know, at the very beginning of the year.
0: Well, what? I did a couple couple of uh, conferences. I, I did some speaking at some conferences. Well, one was in New York City, another in Las Vegas, um, I think there was another one, in my, I can't quite recall, it was local. Um, so I did, I, these were my biggest speaking events, I think, that I've ever done, you know, talking to well over 300 to 1,000 people
4: yeah, wow.
1: in the
0: audience, and it turned out great. Just talking about subjects, sort of like we talked about, connecting the what the paranormalists how they view the world and what they're interested in and how they approach things with the way that the skeptic community would approach it as well and why that's important for us to pay attention to. Because I'm, I'm talking to people who think that Bigfoot and UFOs and ghosts are silly to talk about. And I don't think that. I think it's, it's, it's important to talk about that. And we need to talk about that because it's popular in the culture today and, it, and it has, it's interesting and it has, has a lot of meaning to it. And um, so that was my goal, was, was to to bring these subjects to the skeptical community and say this is why we should be engaging with people who believe in Bigfoot or who are out there looking for ghosts. And I did a panel. This was a, a conference in Las Vegas called the Amazing Meeting,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where I I did a, a I was participating in a panel on cryptozoology. And uh, I, this year I, I was lumped in with what's called the Bigfoot Skeptic. Okay. And it's it's almost like a you know, a a, a bad label that you would get in high school, like a jock or, you know, a yeah. head or whatever. You know <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 not it's not a, a great term because it's oh you just do Bigfoot, that's just silly. Um
2: Oh so I, hold, I hold wanted, on now, let me let me let me interrupt you there. Now I'm confused confused because you, you got you got tagged as a Bigfoot skeptic by the skeptic community is what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, see, I thought you meant just by the crypto community. Like, they were like, you know, oh, you're a mean girl. We don't, you know, you're mean, so.
0: Yeah, well, they think that, too. Yeah, we, we
2: no, yeah. They, we can, yeah, we they, can th- they think that. But but you're saying <laughs> then, that, but you're saying, see, this is interesting. But you're saying that, so they're, they're, so they were, like, dismissive of you? Like, oh, she's just, you know, she's just right. doing, oh, that's, that's lame.
0: Well, it's why do you waste your time on this stuff when there are more important things
2: that you could be working on? Oh God!
0: And we've had this a couple of us are the the interested in cryptozoology, the skeptics, and we we just love this stuff from from when we were kids, and it's not going to go away tomorrow. it did go away in pop culture it's not going to go away with us, so we're going to be interested in it yeah and we t- we have talks about this, and we're like this this is important stuff, and this is this is what we do this is our niche. You guys could go over there, your doctors, you can talk about alt med or Quack, quackery and and, and uh, stuff like this. stuff that you feel is serious, which is serious, no doubt. Yeah. But that's not my expertise, so I'm not going to talk about that as much. I'm going to talk about this because I love it and I want to talk about it some more.
2: Well, it's funny. I mean, you've decried sort of being accused of the one who takes the fun out of uh, you know the cryptozoology and stuff, right? But but on the other hand, it's like you're the one bringing the fun to the skeptic community. <laughs>
0: I, when, when you hear people like Don Prothero and uh, Daniel Lox and ben, ben Raffer talk about cryptozoology in these talks, we're excited and we think it's fun. You know, we, we just love this stuff. So I think it's just a nice break. We don't always want to be brought down by people dying from uh, you know using quackery instead of real cancer treatments. That's a downer. Uh, but it has to be said, of course. This yeah. is just – it's another aspect of society that we need to apply skepticism to. And, yeah, people say I'm a downer, but I i just want the best answer. I'm, I'm not much for mystery now. I just want the best answer.
2: Right. And if that's right. so wrong, so what? Well, it's, it's in, so it's interesting. It's like, it's like a degree of like their, their minds are made up, these people that are just – the skeptics who are dismissing you, it's like they, they're they just like it's open and shut. It's too ridiculous to even
0: yeah.
2: conjure up a, to look at it. And you're just sort of like, listen, you know, it doesn't seem like your mind's cl- closed to the idea. It just seems like you haven't been presented with anything that makes you uh, optimistic, let's say.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. And there are a lot of those skeptics who will just say, doesn't exist. Why are you wasting your time? Um, I think it's more complicated than that.
2: I think so. Clearly, it's just too mm-hmm. bad that uh, you know. It's too bad that they feel that way. But uh, you know, that's why we have you on the show here to learn more about these mysterious skeptics. There's mysterious <laughs> to to my listeners here as the uh, yeah as the Bigfoot. But <laughs> mm-hmm. so where were you talking to a thousand people? That's I mean that's that that was the
0: amazing yeah that was the amazing meeting in Las Vegas that happens every year and that's the major skeptical conference in the world. Uh, it's run by James Randi and the uh, his foundation, James Randi Educational Foundation. And I played a rather large part in it this year, having my own spot. I spoke right after Michael Shermer, which was cool. And then I, I had I, I had a panel, which I moderated, and then I was on another panel that I participated in. And it's just it's been four days. networking and coming up with new ideas. It's its a lot of fun to be around people with bright minds. That's where we go to conferences about, you know, your personal interest, whatever that may be. Right. Because it's, it's just so great to be able to talk about this stuff where other people in your day-to-day life might look at you like you're weird. We can talk about this, and, and there's no limits. It's great.
2: Okay. All right. Now you broke up a little bit on me there, so try not to walk around too much oh, if that's what you're doing. No, I'm
0: sitting here. No. All
2: right, no doing the laundry or anything while you're on the phone with me. <laughs> I don't know what I, I have to admit. I should. Someone already busted me in the uh, chat room. I do have the uh, the Red Sox playoff game here on the TV. It's in my peripheral, mm. so you know it's very uh, it's not distracting. It's it's less distracting than the chat room actually, but it's all good. Uh, so a thousand people. That's insane. That's like. That's madness. We talked about this on the last time you were on. It's like I told you the the, the skeptics are winning, I think, because we, I don't think you could get 1000 people to a paranormal event. Um Do I mean, I? maybe I'm mistaken, maybe there's a, you know, if somebody knows of an event that gets 1000 people, let me know. Maybe some ghost event somewhere, but I I mean, I think the I'm cap is maybe that. 3 to 400 people for a paranormal event. That's just, you know, I'm I'm sort of guessing.
0: Well, there are there are Paracons that are and, and different because they're more like fan conventions.
4: Right, right.
0: Where the skeptical conferences are not. They're speakers, they're panels, they're events. But it's not um, it's not a, a fan Q&A type thing that you would see at... I've been to Dragon Con. Dragon Con is massive, but it's, it's the whole pile of different themes going on there. There is a Paranormal track there, and they do get a lot of attention, but most of the rooms are small, but the, but for the celebrities, paranormal celebrities, there's a lot of people.
2: What but is they, a paranormal... Are we talking like people from Ghost Hunters and stuff like that? Yes. Oh, gross. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't really
0: believe... Do I, like
2: I, I, I'm sure they get, you know, I'm sure they have fantastic ratings and, and everything, but, uh, I mean, you, those skeptics, they don't believe in Bigfoot, I don't believe in paranormal celebrities. Like, I just don't think, you know, that's you know i guess at the end of the day the iron sheik is a celebrity to some people but to me uh, but he'd probably be more of a celebrity i guess than a, than a paranormal celebrity but they they're on par with the iron sheik let's say i'm not sure i'm not sure if you're familiar with the iron sheik or not but
0: i, I have a vague idea of who that is yes. right <laughs> the thing about those paranormal celebrities is they'll go to these conferences you know the josh josh gate um the people from ghost hunters john Zaffis. Okay. The, the, uh, uh, Travis Walton. Although Travis Walton gave a talk. He he didn't do a Q and A. But the pair of celebrities will, will do a Q and A Q&A and all they will do is just ask questions from the audience. Answer questions from the audience. How many times can you answer what was your favorite episode? Or what was the scariest moment? Or it's boring. Yeah. To listen to them.
2: I guess. I guess. But there's the weird uh, part is there's people like there, there are people that that are like dying to ask them, you know it's, it's a yeah. weird sort of thing. I don't know. I mean, isn't I guess aren't aren't what they aren't what they are doing the same as like what would happen with at the table for you know Michael Shermer or something? You know wouldn't he be be pestered with these questions about or the MythBusters? Let's say that's probably a better example. What was your favorite episode of MythBusters? You know they, they probably have to answer the same questions, but you're just saying. By by making that their entire reason for being at the event is a is a misnomer.
0: Well, I saw uh, Grant Imahara at a presentation, which, which was just him, and he got those same kind of questions. I saw Adam Savage at a Skeptics convention, and he's being peppered with much more uh, deep and in-depth questions. Okay. So the audience is very different. Uh, it's a critical audience. They want to ask important questions, not trivia questions, most of the time. <laughs> so it is, a, it is a different audience, very much so.
2: Okay. Oh, I see what you're saying. So they they want to like, you know, they're like, in episode 302, when you <laughs> launched the balloon, why did you choose yellow rather <laughs> than red? Because Is it because of the dexterity of the rubber? That's,
0: that is the, the dinner conversation, yes. Oh my God. <laughs> but like I, I oh, I was I was like having discussions with some of these people, like I can't talk to Bill Nye. You know, he's just he's just too the science guy, he's just too much of a rock star to me. I have nothing to say. I can't think of anything to say. Or Neil deGrasse Tyson, I have a hard time talking to him because he's he's just huge. Um I I don't have a problem talking to Richard Dawkins in the bar though. Or something like that. Okay. Those are the kind of people who are there. It's just weird. It's it's a weird, surreal experience. I, I it's it's a treat.
2: No, I know what you mean. It's the same. That, that's the thrill of uh. And I use that term loosely. That's the, that's the reason for a lot of us go to these paranormal uh conferences. Is to really is is the sort of the meet and greet or the hangout at the bar with people yeah. you know kind of thing. Cause, and and you know because I've already heard all this stuff that I'm going to hear anyway. So. Mm-hmm. Plus, I don't have that kind of attention span. I know that we talk for two hours on the show, but it's like, I know there are people listening. I wouldn't want. Mm-hmm. I I can't really sit still for that long to uh, at least rehash stuff that I've already heard before. But right. All right. So, uh, are you? What we're. <laughs> this is a horrible horrifying question to ask. I apologize, but I, I gotta know. Where 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 would you this is, this requires tremendous level of self awareness, but where would you say you, you rank on the scale of uh of skeptic celebrity then? If you're yeah, I think you're kind of rising up the ranks. I heard you've been invited on the Joe Rogan show.
0: Yeah, now I gotta be able to get to LA <laughs> I, I did go to Los Angeles back in May uh to do a training session filmed for the J so that will be on YouTube eventually and so that hasn't come out yet. That is that would be a big audience as well because they have a really large YouTube channel. Yeah. Um and the Huffington Post blog that I have I think gets some pretty nice coverage.
2: Yeah, that's a pretty big deal. I mean it's right for Huffington Post
0: well, No, it's a blog. I mean it's not it's not a reporter. The reporters get the coverage, I think. It's just it's just a blog.
2: But yeah, it but, is a no.
0: it's a great outlet. I couldn't say no to that. Um, but honestly, there aren't too many uh, female skeptics, people who would be willing to talk about various subjects. So that's a plus. You know, they try to do diversity in these conferences, so they'll they they like to have me there because I'm I'm the token female. I don't really mean that, but you um, know, they try to they try to have a range of of, of different kinds of people there.
2: But when we talked last time, you said there were all kinds of young women involved in skepticism. That's, you know, why I got interested in it.
0: Uh, (laughs) Not so much anymore. We've really undergone a change in the past couple of years. There's been a change.
2: Okay. What happened, though? They all leave?
0: It, this is just my opinion
2: okay that's why um, we yeah that's why <laughs> I, I
0: i am i am an i am a, a little bit older than the twenty something crowd of young women or and and college students that came into skepticism mainly after the bush years you know they were they were disgusted with religiosity and stuff like that, so they they began began to get more involved in in mostly atheism activism, freedom okay. freedom of religion type stuff, secular activism.
2: Are we talking like borderline hipsters here?
0: Well, these are like in their 20s, so okay. they're not there yet. Oh, all right, all right. Uh, they, they do have the colored hair and the ta- lots of tattoos and lots of piercings, and they're very free-spirited.
2: Yeah, I think that's but, a hipster. I think that might be a hipster, but... Right? We need we need an actual hipster to identify them. But go on, I'm
0: sorry. i yeah. I don't, I'm not sure what the definition of that is. I know I'm not one.
2: Yeah, I'm too but, old to be a hipster myself. That's why I'm confused. I'm I'm confused and frightened by them, but go on.
0: So so looking at it from my point of view, I think they had different expectations of, of what what was going to happen. They thought it was a social movement in a way that we could make huge sweeping changes, social justice, things like that. And uh, there was a, a, a very large current of feminism involved as well. Gay rights was a big issue as well. And I think what they tried to do was eject some new ideas that really would send the mission off course. Um, really, our key issue is to promote science, exercise of reason, free thinking And they were off on a social justice course to do good in the world and you know they're young and they were um enthusiastic
2: What does that uh, even I have to do with skepticism? That's confusing. Like feminism? Like, no, 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 no. Like well, not feminism per se, but feminism, gay rights. I thought like you're saying it's taking it off like what direction did they want to take skepticism in that? I don't understand. I'm confused by yeah, I, that. And
0: I I yeah, I honestly didn't either. It really didn't okay. I, it didn't apply to the way I thought the mission should be. It right. didn't feel right. To me, it was really, that's a great thing. Social justice is a terrific thing. Go do that. Absolutely. Um, there was a really good TAM, uh, the amazing meeting, we call it TAM. There was a really good talk by uh, a magician and a member of the JRF, Jamie Ian Smith, who talked about people trying to move the tent. We have this big tent that includes a lot of great topics and goals and, and missions, and list of things that we have to accomplish. Don't come into the tent, new person, and decide to go move it over here. You
1: know?
0: <laughs> because we like our tent, and we're, we're going to progress within the tent and not leave some people standing out in the rain, more or less.
2: Interesting. Who would be standing Let's out in think- the rain in this scenario, the old school skeptics? Exactly. Very, and, and people, yeah,
0: people okay. like me, who, who did not want, you know, as a female, I didn't really want to talk about feminism.
2: Right, I, again, because I, I don't I see how that matters. applies to sort of uh, advancing, I, I, I guess unless it's like feminism, you know, equal rights and representation for women in the sciences. Is that kind of like maybe what they were going for? A little bit. Okay.
0: Yeah. But for the most part, it didn't really apply. And you may know that it got people into trouble there were some scandals.
2: It was quite the, uh, I have that in my notes here, it was quite the scandalous summer for skeptics, if you pardon the liberation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, as I, th- I, as I emailed you during the summer, I did confess to having a bit of schadenfreude over the whole thing, but that's just because, you know, <laughs> I play for the believers. We're
0: human, everybody's human, everybody gets emotional. We don't react all that well when we get emotional. We don't, we don't act reasonably when we're emotionally involved in stuff. So I think that that's what happened.
2: Okay, yeah well, I don't expect you to like take sides in these weird uh he shed he uh, he said mm. she said battles uh it's just well, you know every field has these sort of things that come bubbling up to the surface, uh you know these personal grudges that turn into people have to take sides and everything. It's unfortunate that it happens, you know
0: yeah, and it's it's really hard to go through when they're your friends,
2: yeah, i can imagine, i can imagine mm. I try to stay out of these uh these these squabbles when they come up, but, you know, that's that's one of the other things I want to talk to you about. You, you have this online presence. It's You're quite prolific online. I, I'm impressed by your uh, your presence there online. But but in in a way, though, you have to endure the slings and arrows quite a bit, and, and I've noticed that you do get into some of these tiffs with various folks uh, over various issues. And, I mean, don't you ever just want to throw up your hands and be like, you know, I'm not engaging – it, as deeply with a lot of this stuff online with people. I'm just gonna, because I'm I'm the kind of person that's like I'm just gonna produce my content, and I'm not getting involved in in a lot of this stuff. And if it costs me friendships, then that's I can live with that, you know. So if you know what I mean, it's like it's,
0: I do. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you a story. My between my dad and my mom, they're they're like polar opposite when it comes to engaging with like people. Yeah my my dad would be like, "No, it's okay. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it." And my mom is like, "I'm going to I'm going to engage and I'm going to yell at you." And I am both of them in <laughs> one person. <laughs> <laughs> so, I I don't like conflict. I I want things to go smoothly. I want the discussion to be congenial. But yet, I see this stuff online and I feel like I have to engage and and give my opinion. And I've learned over the past year not to do that. There is a whole bunch of control you have to find within yourself to say, it's really not worth it. Where am I going to get with this conversation if I engage with this person? Yeah. And you just have to go through that list in your head. Uh, And and I actually have some rules that I write down on little sticky notes to remind myself, don't go there.
2: Oh, you're such a scientist.
0: (laughs) It's just, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble, and it's just not worth it it's It's not worth it half the time,
2: more than half the time, but yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah more than half the time you're right yeah and it and it and it has meant losing some of the the people that I used to consider
2: friends, but
0: I see now that they weren't really friends, so yeah, that's okay,
2: yeah, well, that's you know that's a lesson of life, I think too, you know it is it's just. It's people are, you know, most people are. I think most people are good people, but a lot of people, I say the majority of people, are sort of uh, the world revolves around them. So if you're not helping to, you know, engage the rotation, <laughs> then then right. they think you're you're counterbalancing the whole thing.
0: Yeah, and and I'm I'm pretty self conscious about stuff, so uh, I I don't think it's been bad. I. There's been rare occasions where I felt really offended, but that is very rare. It hasn't been bad. I, I hear some women talk about they can't go online without being sexually harassed or things like that. I don't get that. So, or I don't notice it. So it, it, it's not something that, that I, I I drum up and for drama. I just don't like the drama.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's a weird thing to say. Not what you said, but what these women say. I, I mm. can, It's like, I cannot... I, Unfortunately, no one sexually harasses me, so yeah, I just got I just got that that bad luck. But I can I can I empathize with them. Uh, you know, I've heard some horror stories like that, but I I can't even right. imagine what it's like. You know, it's a uh, yeah, it's odd. Yeah, I feel bad for them, but you wonder. Yeah, you just wonder what. <sighs> Well the, the the anonymity of the internet causes all these problems in and of itself, you know. And, and it, it
0: is a huge contributor to that. Yes. Yeah.
2: And it's like I you know you I'm you're I'm sure you're old enough to remember. Maybe not some of our listeners uh may not recall, but like there was a time when weirdos could call your house and like breathe heavy on the phone and get off on it because they were weirdos, you know. And yeah. <laughs> nowadays they can't do that anymore. So clearly they've taken their weird uh fetish to the internet just to that's
0: a good point yeah
2: yeah so that they can breathe heavily at you via instant message or direct tweet and you're like all right dude you're really weird and don't do that Mm -hmm. again so yeah
0: i did have one person call my house
2: oh my god really
0: yeah it, it was slightly disturbing uh, it was like a Saturday, and I'm sitting at my computer at my desk, and I get this phone call in the middle of a Saturday afternoon, and this guy starts rambling. He's, he's from Canada, he said, and oh, he was referencing a, a story that I wrote on Doubtful News about um, a, a, U, a UFO incident, a farmer having UFO incident with his cattle. And he just rambled and rambled and rambled about, being an informant from the uh, Society for for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, and that he was a a Bernie Nadoff informant.
1: What? He was just
0: rambling incoherently for about 10 minutes.
4: Oh, my
1: God. And I said,
0: exactly what is it that you want me to say or want me to do? And he says, well, I've seen your stories online, and, and, and you think about this stuff. And then he started rambling again for another 10 minutes. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what, let's focus here. What exactly are you calling me for? And then he started to say things like, oh, I'm familiar with where you live. I passed by that area quite a bit on business.
2: Oh, and then Jesus. I'm starting
0: to get a little creeped out.
2: Yeah, I'm getting creeped out.
0: Yeah. Jeez. So I'm writing everything down while he's talking. And then I, I, I he got disgusted with me and he said, Oh, I can tell you don't care, goodbye. And, and then I started Googling him and asking my friends have they gotten phone calls like this before? It's really not that hard to find people online. It's it, it, everything is not private right. anymore. So I mean I i you you it's not that difficult to track somebody down if you really want to. Um uh, and it turns out that he just does this to everybody. He does this to a lot of people, no, to reporters, well. journalists. So, And I haven't heard from him again. But
2: Don't call me, I, dude. Don't, don't call yeah, me. Next time. To, don't call my <laughs> next
0: time that happens, I'm definitely calling the police just to be safe. But things like that, they're weirdos. Yeah. You're just going to have people who, who don't think anything of invading your life like that.
2: Yeah, that's that's a frightening story. I didn't even mm-hmm. that came out of nowhere, um, but it's chilling. I think people are going to be creeped out when they hear that. Um, that raises an interesting sort of uh, thought bubble that came up while you were saying all that, though, because uh, you said, you know, nothing's nothing's private online anymore and everything. And I guess you know this this is kind of where we agree in a sense, because uh, you know I've had people on and I have made the point on the show a few times, and people got kind of irritated with me that you know this whole NSA thing that came out over the summer um you know it, it seemed like it was obvious anyway that the government was clearly already listening to everybody and tracking everybody because they had the availability and ability to do it
1: mm-hmm.
2: um you know but then but but all the conspiracy theorists were like uh you know it's a, it's you know touchdown for conspiracy theorists yay um so i guess as a as as a skeptic Um, you know, what's your response, I guess, to that line of thinking? Do you know what I mean? That they're like, uh, you know, we were right when it's like, but everyone else is kind of like, yeah, clearly you were right. And had to kind of begrudgingly, you know, or or just smugly be like, of course, I already knew that.
0: Yeah, we all do that. We all look for confirming evidence for our beliefs to bolster our beliefs. So, yeah, I You're exactly right. I mean, it was was like a gotcha moment, but it really wasn't. And I I see that a lot because people just want to have that opportunity to say, see, I told you so. And if you think about it rationally, it's really not that big of a deal. Yeah, It's a big deal. The the news itself, the information, it's still coming. We didn't know that. It's not surprising to me. I didn't follow it because it wasn't surprising.
2: Right, right, um, sorry, I got momentarily bumped out there, um, and you broke up on me a little bit, but yes,, yeah, so I guess the question though is is do you think it strengthens the idea of a of a government conspiracy or or do you just uh just think that that it's sort of i don't know just just what governments do,
0: yeah, I think it's just what governments do. <laughs> I think people I think people give a lot of credit to the government, but then on the other hand, say that they're jerks and they don't know what they're doing. Which is it? Are they masterminds? Are they geniuses? Or are they idiots that can't run the country? Which is it? Can't be both, can it? Uh,
2: well, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I guess the idea is that there's some people that know what's going on at the top, and then underneath are people that don't.
0: Yeah, I, I I'm not big on secret keeping. I don't. I think they spill.
2: You think that okay. You broke up on me there again, I'm sorry, but uh, uh you think that they
0: I'm not moving anywhere either, but that's I know. It's the
2: cell phone. It's a cell phone, but we'll 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 persevere. Hopefully, uh we'll hopefully it won't come up again. Uh someone in the chat room says that's what they want you to think, Sharon. Of course, of course. <laughs> I don't know if they're being sarcastic or serious because uh it's all in caps, so
0: I get that all the time.
2: What's that? That <laughs> that that is that, what they
0: want you to believe.
2: Yeah, that you're being duped by the uh, by the establishment, right? Um. Okay. Well, there was there was no real thread to pull on that other than uh, sort of the idea that that the uh, conspiracy folks yeah you know, logged a, a victory for themselves this summer on that one. But but one other area that you've done a lot of discussion in, and when we first talked about it uh, in our first conversation, I kind of like pushed it. Uh, the guy says, it's, it's Bob. That's I don't know if that helps at all or not. But anyway, let's move on from Bob. Uh, it's the Ketchum thing. I joked when we first talked that uh, it was the honey boo-boo of the paranormal, but uh, in keeping with Honey Boo-boo, which got a season two, the Ketchum thing is still going, and now they've released a video uh, recently. And it seems to have... It's kind of back in the news quite a bit the last uh, few days and weeks. So as as someone who's really... Dug into the Ketchum story what's what's first of all, provide me because I don't even really follow it that well, so first give me a thumbnail on what exactly has been going on with this Ketchum story, and then explain to me why it's all a bunch of hokum, even though the reason why you need to do part A is because I already think that it's a bunch of hokum, if you know what I mean <laughs> I've already given right. up on following it, so it's you know take us through the whole thing though
0: well, it actually began back in two thousand and eight. When she was apparently contracted to run the DNA tests for uh, the Josh Gates Destination Truth show, okay, he had a, a, a sample that was purportedly from a yeti. So she got the contract, and she's a veterinarian. She works with uh, DNA, probably uh, paternity type stuff. You know, figuring out lineages of, of pets and animals, breeds, and stuff like that.
2: This is Ketchum. Em. Ketchum. Em. Okay. <clears throat>
0: And uh, she's a veterinarian in Texas. She had her own business. That's what she did. And from there, it it appears, now all I get is stuff from blogs or what what people tell me or what is documented in various legal cases or whatever, that um, she really took to this subject of of Bigfoot DNA and got involved with some people, maybe some not-so-great people to get involved with, but she did get funding to do this project where she would collect data or she would collect samples and run DNA tests on these samples. But the funny part was, I wish I had the dates in front of me. I don't have the dates in front of me, but it was somewhere around 2010 that she um copyrighted an idea for a media project about a tribe of humans. And... It wasn't until 2011, 2012, where she really had all the data and announced that there was, she believed there was this new tribe of humans where Bigfoot, according to her research, according to the DNA study, was a hybrid of an unknown ape and a human. So I thought that was funny, the timing of that.
2: Yeah, so she... Like a media like project being being sort of like a I don't know like a movie idea or a TV show idea kind of thing or or I think who it was knows?
0: documentary book okay.
2: reality like, no, show yeah. maybe all right.
0: But I thought the timing was odd. I mean, you don't come up with your theory before you've done the study. You come up with the hypothesis. Yes. Yeah, so I can't really say what was going on there. I'm kind of curious. I did a whole bunch of research on it from the be- from the very beginning, and I wrote a chronology that appeared in both. Skeptical Brief, which is odd because it was a really long version. And the shortened version, the briefer version, appeared in Skeptical Inquirer. Now, the Skeptical Brief's version is online now. I, I pressured them to get that online. And they actually put it online about a month before this latest thing started to happen. So that was good. I think they got a lot of hits from that. Although, what I have to say is that the media in the past week never looked at Ketchum's background. They hardly ever mentioned that in the the stories that they wrote about her, where if you do a Google search, my chronology of the whole thing comes right up, everything they they would have needed to know about her to do a story was there, but they didn't look, yeah, so that was kind of disappointing so this latest this latest stuff that her paper let's let's do another little chronology mini chronology thumbnail sketch here her okay. paper was leaked. In November of last year, it was leaked on Facebook by one of her colleagues, Igor Burtas.
2: Um, like as a as a friend, like a uh, yes. Yeah. Why? Why, just, would, why would he? Leave? I
0: don't. I I don't really know. He just came out and said, "I'm tired of waiting for this thing to be published. We have this great news. Here it is." Yeah. And I just imagine that she's sitting there, you know, doing a facepalm, going, "Oh, what did he just do?" But she. <laughs> She came out with a press release that weekend, and that got media coverage. She had no results, no study, no paper. She just had her word.
2: Yeah, this was last November when it, like, exploded. Last November, correct.
0: In February, the paper was published on a website that was a journal that she looks like she purchased from another journal, changed from one journal to another, And it was the only paper published on there. So it was almost like a self-published paper. That's what it appeared to be. Not very scientific. She claimed it was peer-reviewed. It was peer-reviewed by some people who rejected it for a standard scientific publication, a large one.
2: Nature, right? Nature, right? Yes. Okay, yeah.
0: Uh, but then she said it was peer-reviewed by this other journal and then they chose not to publish it due to the controversy. I don't get that because you could get a paper published in, in a journal. It's not difficult at all. There's there's thousands and thousands of scientific journals. If you pay them the fee, they'll publish it. It doesn't even have to be good. There are rankings of journals where you can publish in the better ones like Science and Nature uh, that, that she wanted obviously she wanted that attention and, and the paper just was not of of the caliber to do that and then since the paper was eventually published for experts to look at they don't they don't see anything in there that's worth
2: talking about
0: they were not impressed and that's being kind
2: yeah so why is she why is she all of a sudden back in the news lately i know there was a video or something a terrible video well, that came out and but but i also thought there was more for some reason i thought that the, the story like, was regurgitated, even though it's been thoroughly debunked. Am I conceited by this?
0: No. She has this ability to keep injecting herself into the media, and I'm beginning to think it's deliberate, really deliberate, where this is really dragging out. I mean, she was on radio shows and announcing this stuff way back in 2010, and now here we are in you know, approaching 2014, and she's still pushing herself in the media, but we have nothing better to look at. This Erickson video, is, is, is called the Erickson Project, was done not in conjunction with Melba, but eventually at some, some point they, they got together and collaborated where the idea was that she would have the science, the DNA, and he would have the video proof. And together, that would be a spell to the media. You couldn't just have one. The two would reinforce each other. It's a great idea. Unfortunately, the study was junk, and the video was ridiculous. (laughs) The video was supposed to come out in December, or when her paper came out in December to, to February, when they were planning on releasing the paper. And all we got was a tiny little... Still, we have, or, or, we got one, little one bit of it, just a still photo of what looked like a, a hairy rug lying on the forest floor, breathing. The breathing rug, I call it. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Looks like a breathing shag rug. Couldn't see much detail on it at all. Um, now, the, the latest video that came out, that, that, so there was this big press conference on October 1st, where she's reannouncing her study, which we already knew about and had already been discredited. But out comes this video as well, and from the clips that I saw of the video, um, you know, it makes the Patterson-Gimlin film look like gold because it's just terrible. Yeah. It's just not impressive at all.
2: I, think I still think the
0: Patterson-Patterson-Gimlin yes, yeah. film is, is still the best, the best film.
2: Do you what have an opinion? Not to put you on the spot, but do you have an opinion on the on the on the Patterson Gimlin film, or or just are you in the well, inconclusive camp?
0: I'm inconclusive, but I'll just say this: if it's a hoax, it's the best one ever. All right, That's and if bold. it's real, yeah, if it's real, we we've, we've been duped all this time. I I I don't think it's real. I'm leaning towards it's not real, but it's a fantastic hoax.
2: Now, what do you mean it's if it's duped? It's what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean if it's real? We've been duped all this time.
0: Because we 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 never got anything better.
2: Okay, it's not it, duped it, then. It, we just we just we've we've been inadequate. Let's... <laughs> we've been failing and, and, and in, the, in the in the We've in been the failing. Street. Yeah.
0: Right. Right.
2: Because there's a lot of people that believe in the Bigfoot. They're not duped. If it's real, then they're then they're right. Right. Right.
0: I see what you mean.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it's you know
0: because
2: so, I you know I I do believe in Bigfoot. So nobody's perfect, Sharon. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't judge. All right. All right. Um, so so all right. So she keeps just getting. This is the thing. See, I've seen this a million times in the paranormal. I. This is why I called it the honey boo boo thing because this is just going to keep. We're we're. It's going to be a long time before we're rid of this this Catchem story. It's just going to keep keep perpetuating itself. I think until the yeah. Brian Sykes stuff comes out. maybe that'll push her. Up, you know. That then maybe she'll be seen as like out of out of the league of you know if, if he comes out with you know that that he doesn't find anything I think then people will immediately just forget all about the catchment thing because he's like a world renowned scientist
0: and it could be that she's just injecting herself into the media to keep herself there uh, or to keep and try and get more investors in her project to save the forest people whatever but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she got progressively stranger as time went on when she was pushing the idea that the paper was going to be published. She went through the, uh, she, she seen them, she's in, interacted with them, oh, wow. she found the stick structures, everything. It got really strange for a while and, and she really lost credibility there. And then when the paper came out and, just just the everything that surrounded the paper was ridiculous. The website was terrible. It was done in the 80s. It used stock photography of people with lab coats and, and testing. Uh, the the paper was written very poorly. And not just because it was just written poorly. It had references that were bogus.
2: Right. These were like the so, April – she had like April Fool's Day references, right, or something crazy exactly, like that? Exactly,
0: Yeah. Uh, sometimes science journals, just for fun on April Fool's edition, will post these ridiculous papers, and two of them were about Bigfoot. She referenced them. Did she not read them? and then she blamed other people. She's been blaming other people. It's your responsibility. it's your paper. It's your name on it. you'd have to you have to take the hit for it.
2: right. now you've been one of the most outspoken critics of all this. Have you ever been in contact with her? Have you ever tried to like reach out to her or or you know? Con- no, she
0: delete she deletes my comments on facebook
2: okay so it's a it's an antagonistic yeah. relationship at least from her
0: there's ask' yeah, now, actually, I defended her quite a bit because she got some really gross sexist remarks at many times, and that was the Bigfoot community who did not like her were very vocal about it, it, just ad hominem things she's She's fat or she's ugly or whatever. It was just mean, and it was stupid, and it it showed how shallow they were.
2: Yeah, there's no place for that. And I
0: also defended her when other people said she's stalling. This whole year when we got nothing on this paper, well, putting a paper in a scientific journal takes a long time. It could take up to a year. It could take more because there's changes that have to be made. So that was not her fault either. She was not stringing us along. It really did take that long. So I'm, I wanted to be fair. I really wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt. I just can't anymore. It just all fall apart.
2: Yeah. But we'll be hearing more from her, I'm sure. Although I'm sure. You know, I don't know what the what. Now, like I said, I've only seen a little of stills or whatever of this video. Um, is are there actually people who are on board with this video? Because you'd hope it'd be just like robot, yeah. You know, roundly debunked or roundly uh, rebuffed, and people would be like, "Oh, give me a break." Um, but but I presume there's also people out there that will cling to anything, and they're probably like, "This is the greatest thing since Patterson Gimlin."
0: Yeah, there are some people who will support her no matter what. Um, it's a part of the video. I don't know if you heard this part where there's a still picture that is matched to a Chewbacca Chewbacca mask.
2: Yeah, I've, I've seen something about okay. Chewbacca mask. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it matches almost exactly. It's the, the body that they show. That the creature that they show looks just stiff in the face. Doesn't look like a real creature. Um, some of the walking movements are extremely fakey looking They don't look. They look like a human trying to look like a monster. It's really not natural at all. Yeah. I don't think many people will be all that impressed. The people who are always impressed with everything will be impressed. But the people who are just looking at this with like are on the fence, or the person sitting on. On their couch, looking at this for the first time, is not going to be impressed.
2: Right. This would I really be. I don't think so. Yeah. This would be akin to what my friend Greg Bishop calls UFO porn, which is just yeah. you know the 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 blurry YouTube video that gets some people all all worked up. You know, it's just it's just UFO porn, but it's Bigfoot porn uh, for for the Bigfoot buffs. So.
0: And when when I wrote in Huffington Post about this, I was really angry. And I'm I'm really angry with Erickson and and Ketchum for this because, and now Erickson says that he's delaying his documentary to release more of this footage. And he's been delaying this for years. If they really have actual DNA of Bigfoot evidence and actual filming of these creatures, uh, they are being completely unethical. And and really scummy to have given us what they've given us so far because it's been terrible.
2: I see what you're saying, yeah. You yeah. know, well, yeah. I would, if you really, I, 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 yeah, I agree with you on unethical, on, on but it it's you know, I I would, I would just go, I would just say like foolhardy in a way, you know, if they really have this stuff, they're fools for not releasing it uh, ASAP.
0: If they really if their intentions are pure, they really won't believe these creatures are there and they want to protect them. Why would you waste more years hiding it and not releasing it to the world? You're going to make money, regardless, but I get this feeling they're trying to always cut a TV deal or a book deal, while they're waiting. And I find that so distasteful. Uh, as a scientist, I want, you know I would like to bring out the knowledge to the world and share it. I don't care how much money I make from it. I want everybody to know what I've been working on and what I found. I don't get that feeling from these people.
2: Right, right. That's that's kind of like we've talked about this uh not you and I but guests of mine, you know. We've talked about this sort of thing in the UFO community too. It's like the people uh there are people who want to be the Newton of the whole thing and be the discoverer. Uh-huh. And it's like they're not really on board with the with the discovering. They're just really on board I- with being the discoverer. Exactly. So, uh, it's depressing in a lot of ways. Now, someone in the chat room asked, uh, what do you attribute the Native American folklore about Bigfoot to? That's an interesting question.
0: That is an interesting question. And I think that this happens in a lot of cryptids where people have the idea that if you go back in time, then you could find more sightings that you can now fit into the mold. And I think that that's a mistake because. Older cultures thought of these creatures completely differently. And if you equate the two, modern times with what they thought of it, it may not match up. Many of the Native Americans, from what I gather, thought of this Bigfoot creature as a spiritual animal. It was not real. It was not flesh and blood. It was a spiritual creature just like many other spiritual creatures that they had in their culture. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's right to pluck one out and say it's a real thing. We're going to use it as evidence. Yeah, I don't think that's I don't think that's right. I don't think it's going to work.
2: Well, yeah, I mean you can't really do much with it, I guess, to prove the Bigfoot, right? That's kind of what you're saying, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah.
0: But I think it's grasping backwards and and grabbing stuff that you could plug into your idea right now, and the context is wrong. So I I don't think you, you could reasonably do that. I'd like to see more about that, but. Uh, yeah, that's that's that's
2: what I think about it right now. Right, right. Well th- yeah. There's nothing you can really like I said, uh there's nothing you can really do about it with the information. Mm. So Correct. Yeah. It's a difficult uh it's a difficult thing. It's the kind of thing that it'll either be confirmation down the line if they find out that Bigfoot's real or um, you know, I guess it'll, if, if they never—that's the tricky part about something like Bigfoot. If they—you—you you can't really ever prove that it doesn't exist. It's like a, you can't prove a negative, so it'll always just right. it sort of be this lingering thing that people will be like, "Well, what about this?" So mm-hmm. it's the challenge of the paranormal uh, from, mm-hmm. from your side of the fence too. You know, it's trying to—you can't prove a negative, so you always just have to be one step ahead of the people that are maybe using the wrong information to prove their point.
0: Yeah, and and topics. Sort of go away for a while and resurface, and Bigfoot wasn't real. He was popular in the '70s, not in the '80s. Down he resurfaced again. He's more popular than ever. And they're they're unsinkable rubber ducks. You can't ever <laughs> expect going to go away for good.
2: Yeah, it's uh it's odd. Now tell me about this article you wrote, because uh, I, I I love the Bigfoot, or I love Bigfoot, and I'm I'm really into that whole thing. But I'm also a huge. Uh, enthusiast of the UFO research field, and uh, you wrote a really interesting piece at the uh, PSYCOP, uh website about UFO mm-hmm. research, asking if it can be scientific. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting, because there's a, there's, a, there's a, let's say, schism in the UFO field right now. Right. Um,
0: and that's what prompted the article. Yeah. Schism.
2: Okay, well tell me about it then.
0: Um, well, I, I that's my thing. I want to know if, if we could take a look at these subjects and be scientific about them or if they're sort of lost causes, if they're really off track. And I, I, I assume that the answer to can it be scientific is yes. It isn't now, but it could be with changes. And I, I think that's what I found. And there are some people in the UFO community right now who want to go that route, and I think that's great. And I got in, uh, happened to get in touch with some of them and ask them questions and h- how they felt, and they were really supportive of what I was thinking and what I wanted to do. And that's a good feeling when you find these researchers who are enthusiastic about studying it but yet want to hear what, what opinions the other side has to say. That's really a, a, a commendable position to take. And I wish the ghost hunters would be more like that. But the UFO community seems to have gone through a bit more growing up and, and going through these phases. And a lot of the old-timers are gone away now. Uh, you know, they've, yeah. they've they've died or they've moved on. And, and I think when, when that happens, you get these newer people with different ideas that come in and maybe want to approach it in a different way, and that's a great thing. So... I asked them about that, and I asked uh, uh, some skeptics as well. Do you think it could be scientific? And, and some of them said, "Well, it's a touchy subject because gee, it's just an observation. That's all we have are observations. We very rarely have any physical evidence, and they're hard—they're damn hard to spot. Right. So it's a tricky subject.
2: Yeah. Well, that's the you know, that's the that's the supremely uh, difficult challenge of the whole thing." You know, it's sort of like studying weather phenomenon or something. You kind of have to, you know, provided that the UFOs are. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, it could be it could be weather phenomenon. So I guess it does apply. You know, it's like whatever it is, you got to rely on it to really uh, make the first move. But I guess you you ask the question in the article, can it be scientific? And I guess my question, I don't, I think we kind of broached this on the original uh, interview that we did, but it's like, you know. I know you wouldn't want to be in charge of ufology, but if you were, you know, I guess what steps would you take towards making it more scientific?
0: That's a good question. There's there's a couple things. Uh, The community aspect is important in any scientific endeavor. You have to be able to have good data and share it among others. Yeah. And... I think that they're moving towards that. I think that the UFO community had that a start on that already. MUFON had a huge database or has one. But the data in it, from what I've heard, is not good. It it hasn't been cleaned up. There's a lot of garbage and noise in there, which is bad. Because you're trying to sort through data and you've got all this noise and you don't know what's noise and what's real, so that's a problem. Um, so, yeah, cleaning up the data, making good observations, having a standard way of collecting information, having a standard training for people who are investigating these things, and then being able to have a protocol where you can address the possible explanations. Uh, and I talked to some researchers like Antonio Paris about this. I said, well, how do you investigate these days? He said, well, I, I I can use software to figure out if there are planes or aircraft in the area. I can use software to figure out if it was a planet or a satellite or the space station, which is great. And those are the kind of tools that need to be used every single time.
2: Look, Todd... I know you're a big conspiracy theorist, okay? And You
0: believe everything, man.
3: Not you're true. so
2: naive, man. There are no aliens in Roswell, and contact lenses aren't made out of amoebas. They are, too, they dude, dude.
3: You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Wait, did you see that? What? Chupacabra! He just ran down the aisle, Todd! You better find him.
2: Now, you, you say that the databases aren't great, but I still think that they need to be more of, like, this sort of um, statistical analysis that I haven't seen anywhere, you know? Like, we need a Nate Silver yeah. type to synthesize all of this huge databases to see if we can figure out any pattern. Like, I don't think anyone's actually looked at any anything like that uh, to try and decipher any pattern. Like, who knows? Maybe we might find out that the UFOs happen, uh, you know, via, I don't know, a crescent moon. <laughs> you know,
0: I think, yeah, probably you crazy
2: them like them that, cluster. only on, you know, only every, you know, only in every third month or so. Who knows? You know what I'm saying?
0: You see them cluster around Venus being visible or certain aircraft being tested, something like that. I think that'd be neat.
2: Right. So, you know, some kind of, like, synthesis of the whole thing. Now, what I was talking mm-hmm. about with the schism and – you didn't touch on this in the article. I don't know if you're kind of aware of what's going on in ufology as far as this part goes. But the the schism there's also been a schism between the, beyond the scientific and, and the other end is sort of this like this outgrowth of, of UFO activism. Uh this whole disclosure thing and the exopolitics oh, right. and, and that's really the big Are you there? Yeah, I'm okay. still there. I heard a little beep. Just
0: a click. Yeah. yeah that was <laughs> odd.
2: I'm being harassed by the NSA right now. Uh see. <laughs> um, yeah, like d- activism and trying to push the disclosure movement forward and, and uh you know, there's people like on my end of the thing of the field, I guess you'd say, who are like, we can't be we can't be pushing this forward by saying we know the answer because we don't know the answer. Right. You know, and that's and, and, and you know that you may find this interesting from the from the sort of financial end of things. The idea of of disclosure that entices a lot of the people who have the money.
0: Oh yeah, you're right.
2: So the people who are I doing that. I never thought work, of that. Yeah, this might be something worth exploring for your uh, for your writings. But uh, you know the thing, the, the 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 disclosure thing entices the people with the money, and then they put the money into that, and then the scientific end of stuff doesn't get nearly as much funding. Because it's not as exciting or glamorous or, or you know titillating as, right. as aliens and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I've heard this, and and that kind of goes back to the whole skeptic uh, mission drift as well. You have to figure out what's your, what question you're trying to answer or what what goal you're trying to to promote. And if you get off track with some of these other things that yeah, they get you attention and they they cause drama and get people's eyeballs on the subject, are they really advancing your mission, or are they just being a side drama, a circus, a sideshow, you know?
2: Right. But the problem is the whole thing is so uh, huge that there's no, like, control over the whole thing, if you know what I mean. Right. It is, the whole thing is a sideshow. So, so <laughs> you know. it's a lady Yeah. Yeah. It's do we you know do we follow the tiniest man on earth or do we follow the bearded lady? It's we don't know exactly who to who to back in this horse race as far as getting to the bottom of UFOs.
0: Yeah, like that whole Atacama alien creature. That was like a sideshow. That's like a sideshow. gas. I don't know what that was. It was cool.
2: It was. It looked like an action figure, but. I don't know. I don't yeah. I didn't study it like the guy who claimed he studied it. Oh, I don't really quite I, understand. I talked to him. Well, I talked
0: to I talked to that person who studied it. Yeah. And he was like he used some evasive language. Like just everything you need to know is in the article. Like I'm not I can't really tell you anymore, which gave me the impression that he was just not allowed to say well more what was behind
2: us. Well, that's the thing. That's one of the funnier parts of uh, the guy who, who was behind that whole thing. He's a big disclosure player, and the irony of all that is when he produces these events and stuff, he makes everybody sign non-disclosure agreements not to tell anybody oh. what he said. So I'm willing to bet that that guy was on a non-disclosure agreement um,
1: oh, to get on board sense, with no. the
2: humanoid study. So that, that wouldn't yeah. explain what he said, which is the which is the hilarious irony of it if you're – if you're,
0: disclosure and a non-disclosure.
2: Right. If you're a massive advocate for UFO disclosure, why are you making everyone sign non-disclosure agreements when they come to your events? That doesn't, you know. But the sad part right. is, is that, you know, th- th- there's people that support this. These these folks. Let's say, you know, there's. there's I think
0: there's always going to be like 20 percent of the population that is going to do things that are just not reasonable, no matter what. Yeah. That's my thumbnail, about 20%. (laughs) I've seen that in surveys before. You know, people who believe that, you know, people can be possessed by the devil or that witches are still around. About 20%.
2: (laughs) You wonder why. Ah, who knows?
0: Uh, It takes all kinds, I guess, to make the world go round.
2: Yeah. Now, I guess in keeping with this, can ufology be scientific? You also wrote about... uh, how it seems like the paranormal is moving away from science to the spiritual. Do you think that's sort of like this grasping at, from your take, do you think they're sort of grasping at straws because they haven't been able to harness science to prove their point?
0: Yes, I think that's exactly what's happening. They tried to use science, and it failed them because they were using it wrong. And once I I wrote an article about a paranormal conference that I went to, and I was surprised. At how There was still a lot of sciencey stuff there, lots of gadgets, and I asked questions. Oh, yes, we're scientifically we use these gadgets, but there was almost as much emphasis on uh, religious protection metals, certain cleansing things like sage, and, and uh, there's pendulums and, and all sorts of very occult-like objects, which I found surprising. I was kind of surprised by that, and I noticed that people like. John Zathis really emphasized that as well. Uh, your, your religious belief needs to be strong in order for you to go into this situation and deal with it. And I thought that that, was, that surprised me. So I, when I came home and I wrote the article, I, I contacted some of my friends who are used to paranormal investigators and sort of are skeptical now and, and asked them, is this real? What I, what I observed was this true? They're, they're moving away from the scientific and more towards the spiritual, and they said, "Yes, absolutely. It's easier to adapt that to their needs." The idea of spiritualism could be very broad. You don't need rules. Science got rules, and that's annoying to them. So the spiritual idea, they could just they could just make stuff up. It's it, it's broad. It's loose and it serves their needs, and it's a popular thing. It was an interesting shift that I noticed. I I hadn't noticed before until I went to this conference and saw it.
2: Now, I know you're not going to agree with me, but I I have to proffer the point that uh, I'm of the opinion, though, that – I do feel that like science has become its own kind of religion, and maybe you feel that way in some respects. But I, I, I think that since all religion is fallible, that eventually we'll find out that science is also fallible. And I'm sure you vehemently will disagree with that, but I guess that's where we part company in a way.
0: It's way more complicated than that. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, I know, <laughs> but
2: I, I speak to the common man I'm like Dusty Rhodes Yeah, uh,
0: no, science is not a religion It's 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 an anti-religion It's the opposite of a religion It's based on facts and evidence Whereas religion is based on faith and belief So, I mean, it's really not the same But the fact that science is fallible Yes, absolutely I wrote a piece on that about scientism Which is the, the overuse of science is great Science can solve everything You rely on it too much Mm-hmm. That's also a, a, a terrible road to go down because it gets us into trouble. We really need to understand, and I mean, this is what I do in my day job: to understand how to take science and make good applications of it, which include what the public thinks is important. If they, it may be, it may have scientific backing, but it doesn't make any sense. For example, uh, uh, there's a pandemic. There's, there's, we need, we, we need to find a way to stop a pandemic. Do we kill and, and, and isolate all the people who have this disease or do we proactively kill people who are exposed? No, that's unethical. But that would be the best way to stop the disease. But we don't do that. We have to find other means to do that. So I think when you, when you overuse science, that's bad. You have to consider other aspects of it. And boy, I got, I got kind of roundly criticized. For that article. That was one of the ones that did not go over well. And it was funny because when I wrote it, I realized that it could be taken in a number of different ways and I knew I would get shit for it and I did. Yeah. All okay. right. That's okay. Sometimes I have to write things out so I could think about them better.
4: Yeah. And I
0: think I needed to do that. Um, but yeah, science is not a religion.
2: Uh, All right, it, well, but, I, said, it, I think is, that's where we part company. But yeah, as, it, as but friendly.
0: it is—it it does have its issues. Nothing's perfect, just like democracy, you
2: yeah. know. Right, I just think that you know, the, the, as you said, the over-reliance of science
0: mm-hmm. Could be a problem. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, you know,
0: but I, if, if I if I didn't sort of agree with you, I I wouldn't be talking to you now because I'd be the one that said. Bigfoot's focus, I'm not going to talk about it. But I understand that people find value and importance and meaning in those subjects. And that's why I, I'm still very interested in them, even beyond the scientific aspect.
2: Yeah. I don't dislike you because we, <laughs> because we disagree <laughs> on that. I just think that, you know, and I but I don't think that, uh, you know, maybe for the entertainment of others, but I don't think that anything can be gained from debating the, the point because neither one of us are really going to, sort of shift our philosophies on all, all of that.
0: Yeah, you're right. That that would be a weird esoteric discussion, so
2: exactly. let's not go there. I save my weird <laughs> esoteric discussions for reptilians <laughs> and Michael Jackson hoaxes. There you go. Uh you you've already taken a shot at the ghost folks. Uh it, do they is it also an antagonistic relationship with them or are they You said you went on a ghost hunt actually. Let's move into that. Let's not get me. So tell me as what, what, did you did you Suffered from tremendous headaches after the event from rolling your eyes the entire uh, visit on the ghost hunt, or what was it like, uh, you know, doing the ghost hunt?
0: It was great. Oh, it was great. I I really, I really appreciate the people who invited me there and my friend Vron, who took a, a little bit of heat for it because he want you know, he, he, he got the approval for me to come along. They knew that I was a writer and a skeptic, and I wasn't really buying into this thing. I wasn't the only skeptic there. There was another person there who sort of stood in the back just like me and didn't say anything, and I was there to observe. Yeah. And I think that they were confused that I wasn't a hands-on person. But, but the way I approach things is I like to observe because I'm not. I do not, I don't know enough to ask Smart questions in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I just want to watch and I want to observe and I don't want to be involved. I don't want to change things. I want to see how they normally act. So I think that was kind of off putting for them. Maybe they wanted me to participate more, but I was just interested in seeing what went on and having my own personal experience about how it feels. I didn't know if I would be scared. I didn't know if I would feel the environment sort of making me. Uh, put put me in a mood to believe more. You know, I was I was really curious because I'd never been in that position before.
2: Yeah, and what was the outcome? Were you scared?
0: <laughs> no, not at all. Never <laughs> once was I scared.
2: You can admit um, it if you were scared.
0: I tell you what, these people were more scared of spiders than I was, of ghosts or anything popping out at me. I, I, there were bugs all over the place. Spiders and, you know, thousands of bikers, and I got 50 mosquito bites that night.
2: Oh, God. Um, That's awful. Yeah. That, that, that alone will keep me from ever going on a ghost hunt. Oh, God. Uh,
0: well, this was in a swampy area. It was my own fault. I didn't use the right bug spray. I I was the buffet that night. <laughs> I probably got West Nile from it, too, because I had, like, a fever 10 days away.
2: <laughs> they were probably hazing you. It was probably some kind of they, – they probably gave you, like, mosquito attractant.
0: They were great. They were great. But it really was important for me to see the idea of, of, I see see them on TV and I I see what other people talk about they do, but it was really important for me to be in that moment and see how they reacted to this and see how seriously they take this. It was really important for me to, to see that. And it was really interesting to see some of the equipment acting funny, like the EMF meters and things like that. When I got back, I don't don't want to go into some of the things that that happened that really, really made me angry. There were two incidents that happened that really made me angry. And I don't want to talk about it in detail because it's probably not fair to the groups. They can't speak for themselves, but two incidents made me extremely angry that were, were worse than I thought. The attitude of, of ghost hunters towards investigations really upsetting to me that they would they would do do what they did or react the way they did. They didn't say anything.
2: Will you tell me a little bit about this? You, you teased it um, too much now. You've teased yeah. it all too much.
0: Well, you know, now this was more this wasn't an investigation. It was more like a fun trip because this was a place that was where we went with of with, a reputation for for spirit activity and stuff. So they were it was a large group of people very large group of people in, in small places, all with their equipment, all with cell phones, all making noise, and it was extremely uncontrolled. Okay. But yet here we are with these gadgets and stuff and people saying they feel things or they feel a brush or they hear something, and every noise was paranormal. Yeah. Every noise. Nothing that I saw was checked. I went and checked, and I found a cause for one of the noises. It was very simple. Nobody else went and looked. And when I said, "Oh, we have, I have, I found something here," they were dismissive. No, that's not what I heard. No. Oh, okay. And I was like, "That's what you heard." And I, and there, no, no, it was something completely different. I stormed out of the room at that point, and I'm like, "Oh, wow, got to gain control because." About I don't to, want about to, to be. Down. I don't want to be that person who who does that. I'm, I'm a guest. I don't want to do that. But I thought maybe they'd be interested in that.
4: Yeah.
0: And I, I at another point where I I felt that they were dealing with a, an area with with one of their clients that I thought was unethical and could get them into legal trouble. That Whoa. that also was disturbing to me. I heard them just talking about it, and and I don't know enough about it. to to say anything i don't want to disclose anything but but some sometimes i think they get themselves in a little bit too deep and they're, they're doing things that they really should not be doing whether it's they're practicing psychology or medicine really that they shouldn't be or they could possibly get into legal trouble if something goes wrong so i mentioned that to them they said they understood that was a potential danger so that's all i could
2: do all right. I think I can kind of do the math on that, but I'll mm. leave it up to the folks at home. I'll I'll
0: on. tell you I'll tell you in private.
2: Oh, nice. <laughs> That's a bonus folks of having your own show. Uh let me let me hit on a couple of points here in the chat room that folks are asking about while we talk here. Uh uh Vale Vale takes issue uh with with uh skeptics lumping everyone in the UFO community into one category like everyone is a blind believer, which he says is not true at all, which I agree with. Um, you know, there's plenty of people in ufology that are very, that are very discerning and skeptical. It's not, not everybody's, uh, you know, a card-carrying member of the uh, the aliens or visiting club.
0: Right. That's absolutely true. And we do it for all groups. People do it for all ghost hunters or are, are the same and all skeptics are the same. And that's absolutely not true. There's going to be a, a range of beliefs and diversity in there uh, It's just hard to characterize. You have to make some sort of generalization if you're going to do something about it. So in this case, we're making this generalization that most UFO researchers were were more interested in this aspect that we can't really do anything about than actually finding out what's in the sky that people are seeing. We have to make that generalization so we can move forward. If there's already people moving in that direction, that's great. But we we have to make that statement in order to solve the problem.
2: Right, right. And I mean, we we talked about on the show here, uh, you and I, about building this bridge. I think what would help a lot of people in the paranormal community, well, maybe not a lot of them, but the people who are really on the side of figuring this all out, which I am and a lot of my uh, good friends are, you know, maybe if, and I'm not saying me, this isn't like a cry for attention, I could care less, uh, but maybe if there was more, I guess, uh, quote-unquote credit or recognition given to the open-minded Uh, UFO researchers from the skeptical community, it might maybe, you know, bring the two camps together a little further, you know, where it's not just, it's so antagonistic. Maybe if there were people, I'm not talking about you, I'm just saying the skeptical community in general, maybe there was a recognition that, yes, there's crazy people in the UFO field. Yes, there's people that believe all this stuff. Um, but wait, there's also people that are actively trying to figure this out. I mean, you did do that in your article there about yeah. UFOs and ufology. Um, so you're, you know, you're doing the work that I'm asking for. But if there was more of a move toward that from the skeptical side, I think that maybe that would be an easier way for people to come together.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to take individuals connecting with other individuals.
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. To the point where. it
0: it becomes more of a feature that everybody notices. But for right now, there there is this stereotype that that travels, and it's hard to get rid of that, but we have to chip at it little by little by by taking these examples of of good researchers and good research that's being done on both sides. And I love to be able to credit good research from, for lack of a better word, you know, the believers or or the, the paranormal side. I love to do that because... It's an example of see they have something to say they have something to share. On the other hand, I like when the when the paranormal people will credit the skeptics' work. And this past year, I've seen good exchanges with the UFO people that I've been involved with, which is great. I've seen horrible behavior in the cryptozoology community. Really terrible. How, they are not. How so? They are not. Rec- they are not recognizing skeptical literature. But, but as as a skeptic growing up with cryptozoology, I read all the books. All the books were pro pro Bigfoot. Bigfoot exists. You know, there was very little skepticism in any of the literature that that has existed up until recently with regards to cryptozoology. Right now, there are a couple researchers who are doing unbelievably fantastic scholarly work in cryptozoology, digging into the original sources, finding new information from the original sources, doing very scientific work. There are even some zoologists involved. And that is what we really need to be paying attention to. But instead, they end up promoting the the speculation, the hype, the, the drama. Yeah. And... Yeah, that's not good. So when, when the skeptical scholarship came out, there's been a couple examples. One being Abominable Science by, by Prothero and Loxton, which I, you know, full disclosure, I helped contribute to that book. But it's, it's like nothing I've ever seen before. And it's such a, a long and involved piece of work. I can't imagine anybody in the cryptozoology community doing that. They're more interested in putting out a popular book that'll sell to a bigger crowd, where this book is scholarly. It uses a textbook. It's so good. But it's very readable. And I sort of issued a challenge to them saying, read it and then tell me what you think. What did they do? They read the chapter that they that they were uh, familiar with, either the Bigfoot chapter and the Nessie chapter, and they wrote a one-star review for the whole book based on that chapter because they didn't like what it said. Yeah. It was extremely pathetic really pathetic and i i got i got some nasty emails and some nasty messages and there was some stuff that went on there because it was just it was not right it was not fair and it just showed how juvenile some of them acted because they're protecting a belief and they're not about getting to the right answer they're about protecting their 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 belief and that really really soured me on some people
2: okay that's disappointing to hear
0: very. It was very disappointing to see. Yeah. We had some, some back back channel discussions. The authors and a small group of us saying, gee, you know, I thought I thought this guy was cool and, and hold <laughs> this. That's unfortunate. Yeah. It was it was really disappointing.
2: Yeah. I don't have much to say to that. I mean, I don't really know uh the players involved in all that, but it sound it is disappointing. Um
0: well, I think whenever whenever you you challenge somebody's investment in in their livelihood or their interest, right, you're going to get that antagonistic defensiveness.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody wants nobody wants to hear that their life's work or what yeah. they spend ninety percent of their free time on or or any of that stuff is uh is hokum. You know.
0: Exactly. I mean,
2: I go into this with the idea that maybe it is. You have to have that fret that fresh sort of uh, open-mindedness, or else, I don't even know, you know, maybe you're going to lose your mind. (laughs) Especially if you get older and older and and nothing happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you you do see some of the the big-footers that that happened to, like Rene DeHinden never really was convinced. He spent his whole life, and I I think when he got to the end, you know, he was getting really old, and he had doubt, and that must be a horrible feeling.
2: So, exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, I remember reading a a quote from him uh, that shook me to my core where he was, I think he was like in his 50s or 60s and he was like, I never had a wife or kids or a mortgage yeah, yes. or a family or any of that other stuff because I'm focused on what's important. The Bigfoot. And it was just like, oh, Jesus, dude, I think you're really projecting right now what you really... Oh, but he was a character. Yeah. So it's, you know, that, after reading something like that and Seeing so many people that I have a lot of respect for, uh, you know, having passed away, never getting the answers and stuff. It should give most people right. in this the, you know, the, the the perspective to take a healthier look at this and invest their time in a more healthy fashion. That's my – I always have advised that on this show, you know. We we do a baseball show every year and try and, you know, get us a, a fresh breath and, and be like, listen, there's life beyond the paranormal. Go out and uh, – you know, smell the roses. Take a day to, you know, spend time with your kids, and <laughs> yeah. instead of uh, also, analyzing yeah, the latest UFO films,
0: I've also heard it suggested that like every 20 years you should change careers for the same reason, you know. Yeah. Maybe you'll.
2: All right, I'm getting get passed her here uh, by a caller uh, in the chat, so we'll t- we'll we'll put him in here. You ready to take a call? All righty. All right. Here we go. Vale, what's going on pal you're on the air
5: um i just actually wanted to call in and just make a few comments just listening to sharon um you know first thing i wanted to point out um i do a bit of ufo research is earlier she mentioned um you know that skeptics have to generalize um people in the ufo community in order to to start to try and change things for the better but um, one thing I don't think she realizes that the flip side to that is um, by generalizing, the people that are out there trying to do good work, they see that generalization, and, you know, it's very, um, very kind of discouraging. So I think that's important for her to keep in mind that, you know, maybe you don't need to generalize. Maybe what you need to do is take every researcher and investigator on a, you know, individual basis and judge them based on their work, not just generalize for the sake of, um, you know, you're saying that you need to do that to get something done. That's the first point. Um, The second point is earlier you mentioned the MUFON data, and, oh, you heard that it, you know, wasn't very good. That's not a very scientific statement. That's a very general statement about the MUFON data. So that right there to me isn't very scientific, and, you know, I guess my question would be um, two questions. What's the extent of the the research you've done into UFOs personally, and um, why should anybody, given on how much research you've done in that field, why should anybody take what you have to say at much value?
4: Okay. Sharon,
0: you're Great comment. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, the idea of generalization, you're absolutely right. I it, it it I take your point. Um, I'm trying to to look for those people who could be the new leaders, the ones who are already doing it in a, a new and different and more effective way, and that's what I would like to point out. Sometimes I I didn't have a problem finding those people. In fact, they found me in with regards to the UFO thing. I'm having a bit more trouble finding those people in the other paranormal uh, areas. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not looking in the right places or it it, it just hasn't come up yet or they're not there yet or they're all still following each other. But I think that the UFO community is just a little bit more mature and has gone through these changes and has figured out a bit more of what what works and what doesn't work. But I will definitely keep that in mind about the different types of research style. That's a good point. On the MUFON database, uh, I, the, I had a person who was intimately involved in the, the database and MUFON tell me that the data is not good. So that was a first hand or second hand, but from a, an actual researcher tell me there were severe problems with that database. So I'm not just grabbing that one out of the air. Mm-hmm. uh why listen to uh me as a as a skeptic telling you what you should do great question well, actually, I don't more do specifically,
5: UFOs. what your what my question was what is your research that you've done specifically into uFOs um you know books you've read um you know classes you may have taken um documents that you've viewed declassified documents it you know and then the fall- you know the rest of the question as well.
0: Oh, well, that, that would take a long time because <laughs> I've been through the standard stuff, the report, the um, couple of books uh, by the more more prominent books. UFOs, we've talked about this before, not really my thing. My thing is more about anomalous natural phenomenon. So with regards mm-hmm. to UFOs being natural phenomenon, that's one thing I'm really interested in. Things like ball lightning and... and uh, okay. Um, Okay. Stuff like that. So that that that's really my interest. It, with regards to, I was never very much into, I mean, you know, everyone reads communion and they get freaked out about alien abduction. <laughs> uh, at that point, I, I was really more into the, the physicality of UFOs than the, the whole abduction thing. But my, my interest and my background is in science and the public. So I think I have a sort of unique perspective in knowing how, you could design effective scientific research and apply it to these areas that are sort of on the fringe of science. And I think that we can make huge improvements in that. And unfortunately, the scientific community really isn't going to pay much attention to it. They're busy doing other things. Uh, I'm more interested in the public aspect of it, so I'm able to give it a try. Oh, all,
2: all right. right. Okay. Sound good, Val?
0: Thanks. But yeah, that sounds good. I
5: mean, I I just want to, you know, say one last thing. I mean, that definitely sounds reasonable. You know, one other suggestion i give you is, you know, the more you know about the history of the UFO phenomenon, what the studies that have been conducted and the good data out there, the more you know about that as a skeptic, I think people like myself and other people that are trying to approach, you know, UFO research from a serious point of view I think your, your opinion of, of UFOs, cause you, you know, you say you're not really that into UFOs, but you know, I've read some of your writings on it and also, obviously you mentioned it tonight. So another suggestion would be the more you research you've done into the history and what's come before where we are to this point today, maybe your, your, your skeptical opinion might carry a little bit more weight. So that, that's another suggestion. Mm-hmm. All right. Fair enough. I think
2: that that was a, uh... I liked that Veil vale didn't come at you. You know, we didn't yeah. we didn't have a no, good, an, an good to call, it it so I appreciate that.
5: So yeah, no problem. Sharon, Sharon sounds really nice.
2: Sharon is really nice. Thank you for calling in, Vale.
5: <laughs> All right, thanks. Bye. Bye.
2: Yeah, I think he's right in a sense. Uh, you know, it can only help to because because the people who devoted a lot of time to this. They're, they're, you know, and this isn't a commentary on Veil, vale, so I don't want him to think that that I'm speaking of him. But, but you know, they'll they'll try and trip you up in a sense. You know what I mean? So it's 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 a difficult thing. But I mean, you, you, when you're a skeptic, you you exist under the umbrella of of skeptic of all this stuff. Unfortunately, you know, right. so it's hard for you at times where you're like, listen, UFOs is like seventh on my depth chart. You know. Yes.
0: Exactly. There's so much I can so much. I, I only have 150 books on my reading list these days. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm trying.
2: Right. Um, okay. This is an interesting question because you're a geologist. So uh, a lot's been made. I can kind of already telegraph your answer here, but uh, it's good to have it on the record. Uh, a lot's been made about these lunar and Martian artifacts. Um, that appear in these photos of the moon and Mars, obviously. Um, so what do you think uh, of these things as a geologist?
0: Uh, I, I covered a lot of these stories on Doubtful News because I find them fascinating. People find these, these things on Mars that look really look really cool. Mm-hmm. So there's the, the rat and, oh gosh, there's a whole pile of, of things that they found. There's lots of shiny things that probably shouldn't be there.
2: And of course, the, the you know, the big daddy, the face on Mars.
0: Oh, well, yeah. Well, that to me, that's a closed book.
2: That's, okay. Just
0: the higher resolution photographs clearly mark that as a geologic feature that we just we have this tendency to see things that look like faces. It just happens. So it's just the human part of us. But uh, it was really interesting. you see these stories come out that, oh, this Strange things spotted on from the, the Mars Observer, and it was these people at home who were looking very close up, zoomed in on these pictures, and just scrolling little bit by little bit, finding the strange-looking objects. Yeah. And, and posting them on wherever Reddit usually to, <laughs> yeah. to get attention. And that's anomaly hunting. And if if you look at enough things, you're going to find something that resembles another thing that you know. It's it's just going to happen. We're, we're we're trained to look for things like that as as people. So I I think it's hilarious that these within like an hour after these things are posted on Reddit, they have their own Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, It's like the rat on Mars. And and when I post the stories, I will get. These Twitter accounts answering back to me, telling you know, telling me what they are and that they're happy to see the story. So it's definitely a really cool cultural phenomenon. But it's, there's nothing mysterious about it. It's just the way our brains work. We we just look for those things.
2: Right. There's some kind of scientific word for it. It's like seeing shapes. Paradoxia. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Simulacrum and pa- paridolia
2: is, is what it's called. Okay. We we have a historic episode here because you have a second caller. So. Oh, boy. I know, I know. Coming at us from the 504 area code. So let's bring them on the show here. Let's see here. Hello, Tim. 504, you're on the air, buddy.
3: What's going on? Hi, hi. This is uh, Jeb. That's my old phone from New Orleans. And uh,
2: hi, Sharon. Um, Just two things. Oh, is this Jeb Card? Yeah, hi. Oh, it's the man Uh, who brought Sharon and I together uh, to build the bridge. so.
3: bridge So when I was like, you need to hear this.
2: Yeah, so sorry.
3: Good, I guess. Um, the the other thing uh, to kind of address the last caller and mm-hmm. something said earlier in the show, Tim. You're like somebody should do statistics on UFOs. Somebody right. did Jacques Vallée okay. in his first couple books, Anatomy of Phenomenon, and what's the other one? Hang on a second. Uh, the one he wrote with his wife, uh, Challenge to Science. He did mm-hmm. pretty much what you're talking about. The fact that his next book, he basically said, oh, aliens are like fairies in Passport to Magonia, I think that's kind of telling. You know, getting back to Sharon's discussion of sort of supernatural creep that he went and did. He was a computer scientist. I mean, you've talked to him. You know him better than I do.
2: Yeah. He was well, I don't know scientist. him very well. I mean, no. <laughs> well,
3: yeah, but I, I, I like to have his books on my shelf as far as I get. So Okay. Um uh he he did that stuff in the 60s. He was in the space science, the computer science. He did a couple of statistical analyses and then yeah, he kind of went with are they from another dimension? Are they kind of like the fairies and the sheehy and I don't know. That seems to be sort of a pattern in
2: Okay, his, well here's his, my here's my response to that. Um that is just simply that uh, when did he do this? Like in the late sixties, early seventies, maybe uh, late seventies? Uh,
3: his first books were like mid sixties. Passport to McGilney, if I remember correctly, is sixty-eight.
2: Okay. Well, it's twenty thirteen. Let's try again. Well, that, you know, that's know That's fair. yeah, and that's yeah. A, I a, you mean, know, you know, yeah. as I said earlier, I'm like Dusty Rhodes. I keep it. I keep it real for the common man. You know, it, yeah. it's and been the, thirty years, thirty, forty years, probably, since he did that. The technology's improved. The the databases have grown. Let's let's put it through the ringer again and see see what comes out. I mean, what's what's oh, the harm I, I in trying?
3: Oh no, I, I I don't disagree at all. I, I I suspect I know what you'll find, but that's, you know, doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Um and there have been others. I mean, I I, I keep up on my UFO stuff to some degree. Uh, I know there've been others, um but yeah, Belay did that early on. And yeah, I think it's easily worth somebody doing it with, you know, I mean, you see the data mining? I just saw an amazing thing on Wired. A data mine where it literally is a map of cities showing the age of every city and how they grow in historical districts. You could do that. Of
2: course, right. the problem, right. is... And it'd be it
0: much easier to do that now. Right,
2: it right. Was, I wasn't coming at you. I wasn't. I wasn't coming oh. at you, aggro Jeb. I was. <laughs> oh, oh, God, oh, for God's sakes! <laughs> yeah. Nothing you're going to do
3: to me that my committee didn't do years ago. But um,
2: <laughs> you know, the, I'm the just saying. Is, uh, you know, yeah. it seems to you know. I, It just makes sense to try again, uh, because everything's better now than it was back then. So maybe we'll find something that we couldn't have picked up previously.
3: Sure. The one thing that gets you to, though, is the old – I don't know if they use this term anymore – but the old ego, the garbage in, garbage out. And and that, of course, if you're going to be designing uh, some kind of scientific study, you can't just go and use all these things that were collected 50, 60 years ago other than as folkloric narratives because there's
0: yeah, they uh, like I was just suggesting that there should be more of a standardized way of collecting the data. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And to bring this but, around and, go yeah. ahead. No, no, no. I, I was saying the one thing with standardized data though is that coming from an anthropological perspective that can get really complex really fast. But anyway, Tim, you were saying.
2: Well, I was just going to say and the 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 other challenge of of that yeah, uh, scenario is that we need a level-headed person on the en- on the other end of the printer when the information comes out, because we don't want
1: mm-hmm. you, you,
2: the 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 fear and the challenge of the UFO community is if something comes out, you know, if you get a proverbial wow signal, you know, yes. we don't want someone running to the New York Times or the Washington Post being like, we crunched the numbers and UFOs come out on every time there's a crescent moon. It's like, no, dude, let's back up, slow down, let's take a look at what we've got, and then. Study that, and not immediately, you know, pull a Melba Ketchum and run to, uh, you know,
3: Fox News, the half lemur. Yeah, so. uh,
2: (laughs) But I just—it struck
3: me when you mentioned that because it just—it fascinates me that he started there, and then went back to Irish folklore. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I just see that in in a lot of these fields. But anyway, uh, I'm glad that this thing is working out with you guys as repeated guests, and my little my little part in instigating that. So,
2: absolutely, thank Jeb. you, thank you. <laughs> All right, y'all, y'all have a Oh, I cut him off by accident. <laughs> Still working through the phone lines, folks. Bear with me. Sorry, Jeb. Oh, that's
0: pretty good. I mean, you're you're managing to connect them and not disconnect them too soon.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, that's true. Generally, I think in I think in quote unquote real radio, they have someone else who pushes the button. So yeah, but, you're probably right. Yeah. Well, I never claimed to be real radio, but uh, <laughs> one one article that I sent to you before the the interview because you you really railed on this sort of thing uh, on the last episode you were on and. It was troubling when I saw this article and I'll stick it in the chat room in a moment, but it was about how uh they the study found that there was actually a whooping cough outbreak that was brought upon by people who eschewed the vaccination, which is scary mm-hmm. if you think about it because there's a lot of people uh you know that that are, you know, serious non-believers in vaccines and you want to give them I, – I I know you don't, but <laughs> I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and be like, listen, do whatever you want. I understand. That's fine. If you believe that, that's cool. But then you read these stories, and my attitude changes too because then it's like, hold on a minute now, dude. I don't want whooping cough, so take the vaccine, please.
0: Right. Um, I'm currently – in an online course, which is for free, it's under Coursera, that's run by Dr. Paul Offit, who, to me, is the premier spokesperson for vaccines. He's, he's a brilliant guy, invented a vaccine of his own. And the course is about the history of vaccines. And currently, like the last lecture was about things like an alternate schedule of vaccines, where a lot of these parents understand, because they're educated people. The, the, the gist of that article was that the people who are issuing vaccines are educated, wealthy parents. Right. Um, the the problem is they've they've never seen these diseases. They've never grown up with them. They're not even their parents probably saw things like uh, diphtheria or things that we're still vaccinating against right now. Yeah. Uh, so, and then a, a great point that he made, and the whole last last lecture was about how. It is so easy to buy into the anti-vax idea that we're giving too many too soon or that the kids are too young. And it was, I didn't know this stuff. Fascinating how he, he describes how vaccines are created and how much more safer they are today for kids than when we were given them as kids. They're far more safer. They're far more effective. And there's actually less of a certain uh, components in the vaccine that can cause problems. So you and I, when we got vaccinated when we were kids, had a higher risk of having complications than kids do today. This kind of information is not out there. I didn't even know it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not only not a parent, but I'm also interested in vaccines. And I didn't know this stuff. So how do we expect the regular public to know it? you made this great point about, how you'd have to watch your kid get five shots at one time. It's a terrible thing to have to go through. So you want to avoid that for your kids, but yet you're not looking at the other side of it because that's not information that's readily available to you. Your child on the table getting four shots, five shots at a time, is the information that's readily available to you, and it's disturbing.
2: So, you see, you're you're, uh, surprising me here because I I guess my biased mind, I kind of presume these people who are are skewing the... uh the vaccines are like new agers, but I guess you're saying I guess the question I have is if they're educated people, why are they why are they not giving their kids the vaccines? Just because they've read the wrong reading material and believed it?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean I blame Jenny McCarthy. She's been out there, she's in the public eye, and she's been doing things like this. At the time she was even using Jim Carrey to to promote this green the vaccines movement. And I recall sitting in the Salon one time, the lady's doing my hair, and she's telling me about how her sister got her kids vaccinated and all of a sudden they had autism. Um, this, this is what goes around in the culture, these stories that people tell each other because they're friends or they're relatives. Yeah. And people are, are influenced by that. So I think when you're living in a community with other people who are telling you that vaccines are oh, bad, we right. want to fit in,
4: yeah.
0: And I think that that's the big push for for this type of of uh, rejection.
2: Yeah, like a scuttlebutt.
0: Exactly. Well, we trust we trust the people who talk to us face to face.
2: That's true. Yeah. Well, there was a whole thing, wasn't there? Like a whole thing with like uh, during the Republican debate that Michelle Bachman told some crazy story about a kid that got a vaccine and. Got all kinds yeah, of diseases, so, and everyone was like, "What are you doing? You're not even you don't even you're talking about."
0: There was the Gardasil vaccine for uh, HPV given to teenagers. Yeah, and she said something stupid, but that was she doesn't ever say anything smart because <laughs> she had a she had a unique agenda there where she did she disliked the Gardasil vaccine for other reasons, for religious reasons or ideological reasons, So she was using this this story of it. It, she didn't make it up, but it was incorrect. You know, she heard it from from what they perceived as a victim of this this vaccine, and she took it at face value, and it wasn't it wasn't true. But right. she passed it along to the and and you know the old saying about a lie gets around the world while the you know truth is still put the shoes on or something like that.
2: Exactly. So, what else is new in the skeptic community as we uh, get closer here to the end of the conversation? Uh, we talked about this before. The debate's still the same. I mean if they, if they're if they're so certain that everything's that all of the paranormal stuff is wrong, it's like, haven't they already why haven't they just packed their bags and gone home and been like, "All right, our, our work here's done.":
0: <laughs> There's really been the, the big push is with regards to things like uh, homeopathy and quackery. It's huge in England, and and places like Australia is way ahead of us with legislation and action against bad medicine. Yeah. Uh, The U.S. has certain political powers in place that prevent us from doing things like putting up legislation that would protect people against harmful dietary supplements. No, you can't do that. You you want the freedom in the markets. They can manufacture whatever they want, and people are getting sick from this, this, these supplements that, one, they don't need to take, two, don't work, or three, we don't know what's in them because they're never tested and they don't have to be tested like regular drugs. The USA is unique in that, I think, because they, the business interest can push and get away with, with stuff, yeah, which is the opposite of saying things like big pharma is bad. Big pharma is bad, sure. Any big business is going to be bad, but big pharma also saves people's lives. And, and the modern medicine is, is an excellent thing. So I think that the skeptical community really does try to focus on those medical issues because they mean lives. you are really talking about people's lives.
2: What's your take on the GMO food thing? Uh, uh,
0: when I was in graduate school, I had uh, ethics, like an ethics class, and a couple philosophy classes where we discussed GMO, genetic engineering, cloning, all those all those new technologies that are, are ethically questionable. We've had, we haven't faced things like this before. And in a nutshell, I would say that genetically modified food organisms have been around since we started agriculture. It's just that now we can make the adjustments quicker and in the lab. We have always been manipulating organisms. Oh, I see
2: what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Selection.
0: We we bred livestock. We have we developed crops for certain reasons. Now we have the ability to do it much faster and more specifically, like by adding in certain vitamins, necessary uh, components, or pest resistance or something like that. That's progress. I think it's the, it's a the wonderful thing, and I think people have really the wrong idea about GMO. On the other hand you do have companies that are taking advantage of the um the organism that comes out the other end
2: yeah i guess there's a difference between i guess uh Kim- genes and stuff like that kimberly in the uh kimberly in the in the chat room makes the point uh i guess there's a difference between breeding selectively breeding and and genetically engineering that, that, that's you know that's the concern it's
0: just a, it's just a more efficient way it doesn't it doesn't make it any less strange it's just much faster and much more efficient and much more precise
2: i guess yeah i guess see this is where my non-scientific uh mind is is probably at a disadvantage here because i i just assume it's not really a good idea to like mess you know deeply with the proverbial uh genetic guts of an organism it's one thing to sort of like you know you breathe nature does
0: it all the time
2: I know, but I guess that's I guess that's the debate, right, playing God and being you know playing you know tankering with that kind of stuff,
0: yeah, people have that naturalistic fallacy they think that it you know it's natural and this this feels unnatural, but there's actually nothing quite as unnatural as farming one crop on a piece of land over and over again <laughs> yeah, and,
1: yeah. and
0: it's it's a very unnatural thing but but we need it to survive so. There's a lot of things we do that, that don't feel quite right, but they really don't have harm. If you really look into the guts of it, you'll see that it's, it's not anything that's going to be catastrophic, but there's always, there's always these ethical questions that we should address. And if it means people are being con- are concerned about these issues, we need to do a better job of explaining them and, and realizing that there's a bigger benefit to GMOs than not using them at all. I mean, people will die. There's
2: no doubt about that. Okay. All right.
0: We need to support the population of the world here.
2: Well, that's another whole debate about the overpopulation yeah. and whether, you know, whether the popul- whether we have too many people on the planet as it is. Right. You know, but that's that's a whole – we only have nine minutes left, so. And I want to yeah, tell I'm this not solve it. story about my dentist trip that I talked to you okay, about yeah. before I started the show. This
0: is, I can't wait.
2: Yeah. This is – I, I – it, this, I, as I told you before we started the program, I would have told this story no matter who the guest is, so we're going way off the skeptical thing, but it does kind of tie into this, because I can only imagine that you would be even more uh, <laughs> even more uncomfortable in this situation. But So I go to the dentist uh, yesterday, and I'm getting some fillings, and there's the dentist and her assistant, who is like this 20-year-old girl who uh, is just finishing up her her, I don't know, residency, let's say, okay? Um and I, I I hope that didn't sound sexist. I didn't mean it to be that way. But uh no. yeah, She's a young woman, let's say. Anyway, so uh we're near the end here. We've got maybe like maybe like 15 minutes left of the uh operation, if you call it that. I don't know what you call a dental procedure. Procedure. There you go. Yeah. Uh so uh my dentist who is from Syria Starts talking about – she says, did you know that the children in the video of the Syrian uh, gas attack, they've been seen in other videos of other attacks, and it's all a big hoax? Oh, no. Yeah, and she's like telling me this. And you know, having known me this long, that I do love a good conspiracy theory. So it's like, this is great. I'm getting – parapolitical radio while I'm having my teeth done. I'm getting first-person uh, parapolitical radio from a, from a Syrian lady. And then, then, but then she starts to get more extreme, and, and she starts like bringing Israel into it, and how Israel wants to like take over part of Egypt, and how Israel and the United States are still on the same team, or are on the same team, and they're working together. And, and of course, I, I have her hands in my mouth. I cannot say a word. <laughs> right this is all a one-sided conversation and it's bordering now on a lecture and it's getting very uncomfortable wow yeah and and at first i'm just like okay this lady's got a she's, she's got a cool conspiracy theory you know this is nice and you know and she's like but you don't hear about that in the in the in the media because uh the united states doesn't want anyone to know that uh it's all a big it's all a big hoax and then she's like this is where it got really uncomfortable because I'm like, all right, lady, you know, I didn't say this, I'm thinking this, because again, she has her hands in my mouth. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, all right, lady, your your country's in turmoil. I sympathize with your plight. You know, let's let's kind of wrap this up. And because not only is she telling the story, but she's like pausing as people do to tell a story. You know, and I'm like, my eyes are darting across the room at the clock. And I'm like, I've been here for 90 minutes because I got like four fillings. I, I, I'm a candy lover. What can I say? Um, you know, and I'm looking at the clock, and I'm like, this is not. You're not my neighbor. This isn't the time for you to do this. And and I just want her to speed it up. And and then of course the young lady who is young, uh, who who's doing her residency, the the the, the dentist says, oh, and, and I have an FBI agent that comes in. And uh, he said he's lost so many of his colleagues due to uh, Obama's policies. And, I, 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 and I'm super liberal. This is where it gets uncomfortable. I guess if someone was really conservative, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, this is awesome." But for me, it was like I, I, I'm aghast. Because then the, the college age girls like, "I hate Barack Obama. I, I honestly I hope he gets impeached." And I'm just like – my eyes probably bugged out at that point. I'm just like, L- young lady, you don't have no understanding of how the government works or that that could never possibly happen. And then she goes, Obama's destroying America. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, my God, get me out of here. And, you know, thank you. Vail yeah. says that's kind of inappropriate for the dentist. Don't, don't you exactly. think? That, do exactly.
0: I need to find a new I... dentist? I would, because I wouldn't want to have to sit through any of that again.
2: And, and, you know, it's – and, of course, my face is, like, falling off – you know, my lips and my tongue are falling out of my head because everything's numb. So at the end of the thing, it's like, you know, she's trying to upsell me on Invisalign and all this other stuff. And she's like, well, you know, let me put Mm. you down again. I really want to be like, listen, again, I respect your your plight as a native Syrian, but – you know, don't not, be... Not,
0: not the time and place. Yeah, not don't...
2: Please don't bring your politics into into the dental visit. Isn't that weird? Is, this is why I want this, to tell the story.
0: Does she own the business? Yes. That's really bad business practice.
2: That's, that's what I've been saying. That's what everyone I've talked to about it has been saying. It's like...
0: Yeah.
2: I just wanted this on the record for the show. I, I, as I told uh, Jeremy Vane, this is... you. You wouldn't know what I'm talking about. This is... We have a comedy show. This is a good parade story if there ever was one. And... And I, I figured if I if I'd never told this story, I never would get around it. But isn't that – oh, God, just – I'm aghast.
0: I don't know what I would do. I, I'd be so furious.
2: I was, I'm was. i pretty P.O.ed about the whole thing. That's why, that's why I'm mentioning it here. Uh, I don't want to go on Yelp and be like, well, if you're a hardcore conservative, this is the dentist for you. But
0: but that's pretty funny, though, because like she had no idea what you do in, in your extra time and how much you know about this topic.
2: Right. It was like lecturing this, is, this is neither
0: the time real, nor yeah. the
2: place for, for for this conversation, lady. And and you know you're you're probably going to lose my business. And how do you even know where I stand on these things? It's you're crazy. So, oh uh, yeah. goodness. Well, we're at the end of the uh, at the show here. What's next for you? What's coming up for Sharon Hill? We talked about you possibly writing a book. I know you're doing that. You know, back before when we first talked, it was. Uh, Huffington Post uh, hadn't even come along yet, so so there's probably some stuff percolating. So what, what's coming up for you?
0: Yeah, I have some books percolating. <laughs> right. I'm currently working on one, and I have two other good ideas. So. All right, I'll be busy for a while. Delta News keeps me really busy every day. Obviously, that that's my main time that yeah. I spend. So.
2: All right. Well, folks. and
0: that's grown grown huge. So I'm really excited about it.
2: It's getting massive, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, you may be on Joe Rogan soon. So if you can get out to California, I know
0: I'm gonna gonna get out there to L.A. Interesting to talk to him.
2: Yeah, I don't know too much about him, but uh, it sounds uh, I will. I don't even listen to the show really because I barely have time to listen to any show but my own when I edit it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll be definitely interested in, in checking that out. Well, it's been great to have you back, Sharon. This two hours flew by, and. Another great conversation, really. Uh, I really can't put you over enough, and, and you know, I, I really like talking to you because even though we come from such disparate worlds, we, we find a way to come together, and I think that's awesome.
0: Yeah, I agree on so much, really. It's I been think fun. So.
2: I think so. Thanks. Thank you for coming on the show. And now for the plugs, folks. I tried to do it a little bit earlier than normal. Uh, if you're listening someplace else and you don't know what you're you've tuned into, you're listening to BOA audio. You can find more of it at binallofamerica.com. of B-I-N-N-A-L-L of America Check us out on Facebook. Just punch in binallofamerica of America on Facebook. You'll find us there. We're nearing eleven hundred likes. Uh if you can help us out, this costs money. It's not a free service for me. It's free for you. It's not free for me. So make a donation via PayPal or at the BOA P.O. Box. That would be greatly appreciated. You can find those at Banal of America as well. The guest next week is to be announced. I've got a taped show in the till, but I'm working on getting somebody on for a potential live show. This is kind of the the pluses and minuses, I guess you could say, of Season 8. You never know if it's going to be taped or live. We may do a live show. You'll probably know more by Friday. Uh, If not, we're going to have a tape show, and the tape show is outstanding. You don't have to worry about that, folks. It's going to be a real barn burner. And so I guess with all that said, thank you very much, folks, for tuning in, and uh, you'll be hearing from me in the not-too-distant future. Have a great night, and uh, until next time, this is Tim Badal signing off.